Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Out of Ink podcast with me, B. Brian Oscar and Molly Lemon. This is the podcast where two anxious creatives talk openly and honestly about life as an artist. So we chatted, didn't we, earlier in the year about starting a podcast because basically all we do all day is voice note each other just ridiculous (laughs) stories and just talking about how anxious we are on a daily basis. The idea of the podcast was born quite a long time ago, wasn't it? And then it's taken us quite a bit of courage and time to build up to actually making it a reality. So I think as an anxious artist, you can sometimes feel a bit isolated and a bit alone and it really helps to kind of talk through the things that you're anxious about with someone who's going through the exact same thing, which is you. Yeah, and our lives are, like, paralleled. It's a bit creepy. They really are. We are We are twins. So by doing this, I guess the aim is that we'll find other anxious artists and they'll go, that's me, I feel exactly the same. And I don't know, maybe that will be helpful. We're both self-employed artists, but we work quite differently and make different works. So I'm a printmaker specialising in wood engraving. So my practice is quite traditional. And I'm a digital illustrator and I produce most of my illustrations on my iPad. So we really couldn't be more different as artists. But we are both inspired by nature. We've both had a bit of Dutch courage to do this. Yeah, just a bit. Didn't want to do too much. Just kind of the minimum amount, I thought. So you went normal and you do you have a gin and tonic? I had a gin and tonic, but I will say there was a little bit more gin in there than usual. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't really normally drink. So I went into the alcohol cupboard, which is also our pan cupboard and potato cupboard. Interesting. We haven't got a designated area. (laughs) And I found some whiskey. That's good. And then I was like, ah, can't just have that on its own. I'll add some water. (laughs) So I added some water and I was like, that's still, that tastes like cleaner. So I went to the fridge and added some elderflower cordial. Right. So that's what I'm drinking. (laughs) Is it good? It doesn't sound good. Uh, It's better than it was on its own. Have you had whiskey before? Yeah, but like with Coke. Ah, yeah, okay. I'm sure it will do the job. It will do the job. So earlier, basically, we share everything about our lives. Everything. Any, anything that happens, even if it's really boring, I'll tell B. <laughs> and I just, I said to her when we had a um, chat earlier in the week, I said, you can't tell me everything now. You need to save some things for the podcast because I need to hear it fresh. And you said earlier you had something to tell me and I'm just looking forward to that. Yeah, so this has honestly been really hard to keep from you because it's just one of the strangest things that's happened to me in a long time. I'm hoping you're responsible for it. If you're not, it's even stranger. Um, What? So so a few days ago, Margot got sent a parcel and I opened it. And it it was a pair of dog bunny ears, like dog rabbit ears. I'm not joking. Like a dog Easter bunny costume. Just the maddest thing I've ever been sent. And it, it was totally anonymous. It has no note. And I've asked around and no one will own up to the fact that they've sent Margot a pair of Easter bunny ears. So I'm going to ask you now, Molly, did you, in order to spice up episode one of the Out of Ink podcast, send Margot some bunny ears? I wish. Who the hell has been sending Margot bunny ears? Did you think that was me? 
I thought it was you. I've asked around and everyone says, no, not me. For anyone listening, um, for anyone listening who doesn't know, Margot is my eight-month-old puppy, so she's a dog. Have you put them on her? Um, I have put them on her. She looked incredibly cute in them, I won't lie. <laughs> well, I wish that was me, but I'm guessing it's... Because you pretend you don't buy Margot a lot of accessories, but every week you message me that she's got a new one. But I didn't buy these for her. No, but you've obviously been ordering so many items of dog accessories that someone thinks, oh, she's been basically paying all our bills with all her orders. <laughs> we'll send her some free bunny ears. I'll send you a photo of her in them later on because she she is the world's cutest dog Easter bunny. I thought you were going to say world's cutest dog then and I was about to have to stand up for Winnie, who's my dog. <laughs> Winnie's very cute too. We should get Winnie a pair and then they could be matching. That'd be very cute. Does Margot actually let them sit on her head? So they were a bit tight. I was a bit worried I wasn't going to get them on her because the person who has purchased this for Margot obviously doesn't have her measurements. <laughs> but I managed to get them on her by shoving her actual ears up into the bunny ears. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just looked at me like, please take this off my face. Each week, we're going to set the tone of the podcast by putting ourselves on an anxiety scale. Now, you can't quantify anxiety, which is why this week our emotions are going to be measured in terms of cake. So I was having a think about my best cake and my least favourite cake. So I think, for me, the top is Battenberg because it's just delightful and it's my granddad's favourite cake so it's sentimental as well and I can easily eat a whole Battenberg in about five minutes. Battenberg is delightful, I have to agree with you there. Have you ever made your own Battenberg? No, no I haven't. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen my baking skills. (laughs) Um, And I was thinking of my worst cake and I think you'll disagree with me because you've got quite mature tastes but my worst cake would be a fruit cake because you eat it at Christmas and it's enjoyable but it's because it's got pretty little figurines on top and it feels Christmassy and it's covered in icing and marzipan but I feel like fruit cake any other time is unacceptable and would just be a bad day for me <laughs> yeah I don't think you're alone I think a lot of people dislike fruit cake but I think that it's a bit of an underdog of the cake world it's you know it's feel that way yeah it's moist and it's rich and you only have to have a tiny bit and it it just it's good i think yeah okay well we're gonna disagree there it's not on my scale though so a 10 the cake of all cakes for me it's quite controversial you're gonna you might think it's boring but it's my mum's victoria sponge And let me tell you why. Because it's not just any sponge. It's not any Victoria sponge. It's velvety and light and soft. And it's delicious. And it brings back memories of my childhood. And um, it can't be beaten, in my opinion. That's ten. I feel like you stole that kind of sales tactic from a certain supermarket. (laughs) Did I? Possibly. (laughs) Yeah, it's not just cake. Well, it's true. Because if I went to a supermarket and bought a Victoria sponge, that for me is going to be very low on the scale. Mm. It's just not going to make it up to my mum's Victoria sponge. And right on the bottom of the scale, this again, this is very controversial. You will definitely disagree with this. We have got very old and dry 
chocolate cake. Now it doesn't really matter if it's old and it doesn't really matter if it's dry. To be honest, I don't really like chocolate cake. Most types of chocolate cake are going to end up at the bottom of my scale. Really? Yeah. That shocks me. I love chocolate cake. I'm sorry, I just... I mean, I think you can probably get some chocolate cake that is delicious. But in general, in my experience of particularly shop-bought chocolate cake, it is usually dry. Okay, I'll let you have that because I have had dry chocolate cake, but you're wrong about chocolate cake in general. We'll agree to disagree. So that's my top of the scale and the bottom of the scale. I'm not at either of those today, I would say. Um... I'm sitting solidly at banana bread. <laughs> Do you know why? <laughs> wait, wait, let me guess what number banana bread would be out of ten. Okay. Um, I'd say banana bread if... Wait, what's best? Not one or ten? I've put ten as best. Okay. If ten's best, banana bread is a two because you've only really made it because you've got mouldy bananas and the only good thing about it is sometimes there's chocolate chips in it (laughs) oh that's kind of almost bang on i would say that i'm probably not quite as anxious as a two i'm probably at a three but i put the banana bread there because as you say it's nothing special it's it tastes good i'll eat it but you've really you've only made it because it's all the you've got the ingredients for I totally agree and I just think people have made this pandemic even harder by just constantly baking it. They could have been baking something a lot better. I baked so many banana breads in lockdown one and two. I've given up on it now because I'm just, I'm bored of the banana bread. I can do better. I don't need anxious banana bread. I'm I'm aiming for good sponges now. Yeah, you're going to have to match up to your mum's sponge. So so where are you on your scale? I don't think you gave a mid-range. I haven't I haven't said I haven't given a mid range. I'm just gonna say what I'm feeling today. Oh sorry, yeah. We're 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 new to this. This anxiety scale is brand new. I don't know I don't think we mentioned, but each week we're gonna change the theme of the scale. So this week we're on cakes, but stick with us because each time we're gonna come up with a new theme to keep things And if that's not worth coming back for, I don't know what is. Well, exactly. Who knows what next <laughs> week could be. So my cake that I have chosen is a Jaffa cake. Mm, okay, so I really don't like Jaffa cakes. So I'm going to say that you're also a two or a three. You would be correct. And I love a Jaffa cake. I love them. I'd eat a whole packet and more. But if someone said, come round for tea and cake, and the cake was a Jaffa cake, <laughs> I would be so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I also would be so disappointed by a Jaffa cake. <laughs> I would feel like they tricked me. <laughs> so that's why I've chosen I mean I, today I have I got up at 5.30 so it is now 7 in the evening I got up at 5.30 and I all day did my accounts and it drained me of all my energy mm. so that's why I'm at Jaffa Cake that justifies you being at Jaffa Cake I think okay so this week We've decided that the topic for our first ever Out of Ink podcast is motivation. So I think a lot of people have been struggling with motivation, especially this year. In in the UK, we're having lockdown three or just coming out of lockdown three. And I've noticed a lot of people struggling to stay motivated because, let's be honest, January is bad enough without a pandemic. Mm, it's been a very unmotivational year for pretty much everyone I know, I think. 
Yeah, I met only in April. And uh, I know. I've not met anyone yet that's gone, yep, 2021, that's been my year. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. Uh, is there? I don't know. It's flying by this year. So we thought it would be helpful to talk about how we feel in terms of motivation, how we cope with lack of motivation and how we get ourselves feeling like we want to create again Mm. as freelance artists you can't really afford that many unmotivational days slash weeks slash months because you feel like there's a pressure to just be at your best and you know performing and creating all the time and that's just not feasible really so I think that motivation is a very personal thing and It varies from person to person. I think if there was one formula for being able to be motivated and you could put it in a bottle and sell it, it would make you very, very rich. Yeah, and I know what you mean because it doesn't even depend just person to person. It's what job you have, how you wake up in the morning. So I think we've both had jobs where we've been employees and now we're our own bosses and they're really different I felt differently in both roles about motivation. Yeah, definitely. I was so unmotivated as an employee, especially as you know that you're you're giving up all that time and it's for someone else. It's making someone else money and it's not really benefiting you that much. Not to say that being employed is a bad thing because there's lots of good things about it and stability that comes from it. But for me, I became much more motivated when I knew that I had to do things for myself and make money for myself. Yeah, I feel, I think I'm a bit different in terms of I'm such a people pleaser and I just want people to be happy with me. So I was always wanting to really please my boss. And like, <laughs> even when he wasn't there, I'd just work as fast as I could and I'd stay an hour <laughs> late just to do extra. So I was, I think I was quite a motivated employee. But I'm a worse boss to myself than any other boss I've ever had. <laughs> so I'm even worse. I remember the first day of my graphic design job and Adam, he's my partner, he'd said to me, you've got to make a really good first impression. So stay late, stay as late as you possibly can and look really keen. So my hours were nine to 5.30 and it hit 5.30 and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stay until, I'm going to stay until six. That will look really keen. And then it got to six and I got downstairs to the reception area and it was locked and all the lights were turned off and I was the only person in the building and that's when I realised this is not a company where people work overtime. So I never stayed late again. Did you get out? Uh, Yes, but I had to text my new boss that I'd had for a day and say I'm locked in the building. That's like the worst impression you could have given. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. I know. backfired massively. That's it then. I never worked a day over what I was paid again. I think the I think the opposite advice is probably more helpful because if you stay till six on your first day, they'll always expect you to stay till six. So that's just true. You set a benchmark, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Do as much as you're willing to do, and not a second more. <laughs> so, what do you reckon? This is going to be hard to answer, but give it a go. What do you reckon motivates you the most? That's actually quite a deep question, I think. I feel mm, like sorry. I could go quite deep. No, it's okay. It's just, I think it's a whole host of things, which might be why I am 
so motivated and I'm not motivated every day I'm not but most no, of the time no I one am. is motivated every day I don't yeah think especially that. this year it's been a bad <laughs> year <laughs> but normally I think the main things that motivate me are like proving people wrong the people that say you can't make a living as an artist the people who I felt put me down in the past mm. just kind of proving them wrong and the other thing that's kind of been just always there for me is leaving some kind of legacy which it sounds like completely ridiculous. that's so nice no that's really nice obviously I'm not sure it is that nice because I feel like it's a bit selfish not everyone can leave a notable legacy I just felt because I don't I don't want children so I'm not gonna leave behind humans <laughs> Most people leave behind humans. So I'd like to leave behind some nice artwork and for people to remember me. And that has always been there as my motivation. And it is probably completely ridiculous, but that is probably what drives me. No, that's really touching. What about you? What drives you? Or is that a different question? Should it be what motivates you rather than what drives you? Are they different things? I'm not sure. I suppose I've written down some things that motivate me, but now I'm thinking it's, it's less about... They're less deep than yours. So okay. I was thinking about how I get motivated if I'm in a slump. So for me, if I'm feeling really unmotivated and I'm, oh, I just don't really know what to do um, today, I, I have a little note on my phone. And in that note, every time I have an idea that I think that would make a really nice illustration or a really nice project, I write that down in my note. Quite often it will be that I've been on a really nice walk and I've seen something and I've thought, that would make a really good topic for a new poster or I've had a conversation with someone and it's sparked like an idea so I write it all down if I'm feeling really unmotivated and just not sure what to do or where to begin I open up the note on my phone and I just read through the list and I hope that one of them just ignites some excitement in me and I go yes I really want to draw that and as soon as I'm excited about an idea that's it I'm off I won't stop until I finished it and you can you can vouch for that because it's like when I had that idea that I was going to do that animal world map and you were like oh do it as a slow project make it take five or six months it'd be really nice because I'm really (laughs) stubborn the second I had that idea and I knew I wanted to do it I had to finish it as soon as I possibly could and so that really is what motivates me having an idea seeing it in my head and physically having to reach the end goal because I just won't be beaten by the idea. So I think why motivation is such a big topic for artists and self-employed people is just the guilt that comes with feeling unmotivated because you tend to work slower and sometimes you can't be bothered to work at all and then taking time off is just guilt-ridden. The guilt is so real, isn't it, as a self-employed person? You can spend an hour in a day where I'm just talking about me personally now so if I have an hour where I haven't done anything that I class as productive or to do with work I just feel so bad about myself and then it affects the rest of the day then because I spend the rest of the day thinking I've wasted all that time and in reality an hour is not not really that long but I punish myself because I think every single hour of every single day has to be productive you know it has to be I have to be making my best work or I just won't ever be successful and it's it's really scary because that's just not true because you have to be in the right mood to draw or for me anyway if I tried to sit down when I'm feeling really grumpy 
or unmotivated and I try and pick up my pencil and do a drawing, that drawing is going to be awful. If I've been working on a block for a few weeks and then I'm in a mood and I pick up my tools, I can ruin all my hard work. That's it. You can't possibly be motivated all of the time. You have to give yourself time off from it. But it's, it's allowing yourself to do so that's the hard bit, I think. Yeah, I don't think we've probably managed it because, okay, probably once a week, one of us messages... Um, the other and says I don't think I can do anything this afternoon or can't do anything today I'm so unmotivated I'm so like whatever tired <laughs> and then the other person says just take the afternoon off you deserve it but we won't give that advice to ourselves but we'll give it to the other person that's so true we've started doing this thing uh me and Molly where we write each each other a sick note we say no you're signed off for the day because if you're employed you have a certain amount of sick days and so we should we should have that too so we've we've made ourselves have that haven't we we've been giving ourselves sick days when we feel it's appropriate but not even just sick days like holiday days people get 20 something or 30 something days off a year Mm. i mean the only time i take time off is if my partner's got time off and i'm like oh i should take the day off with him but i'd never think to book a day off for myself yeah exactly it's really hard at the moment as well because obviously we haven't been able to go anywhere so the weekends are merging into the weeks and just becoming work days as well And then you you just, you can't work seven days in a row and then start again and expect yourself to feel okay about that. You need the time to rest. It's really hard being at home and being so close to my studio and not doing any work because you just think, well, what what else can I do? I, I might as well do a bit of work. Yeah, I find it really hard as well. So I didn't used to take weekends because I just worked through, and which was hard because after a few weeks, you just kind of crash. But now I do take weekends I find it really hard to get going on a Monday and a Tuesday as soon as I stop it's a bit like a car you're driving along and you put the brakes on and it takes a while to accelerate off again that's what the weekend does oh yeah a really old car where you need to warm up the engine for like five minutes before driving anywhere yeah and it feels like getting going again on a Monday is so painful I'd rather have just worked the weekend I do struggle with that I know you were particularly bad with working your weekends. I think even pre-lockdown, you would just happily work a weekend, wouldn't you? And and evenings as well. Yeah, I used to work... I mean, it was maybe one day a week I'd go downstairs before <laughs> seven <laughs> and go and have an evening. Like, I'd eat... Well, I would eat dinner on the sofa, but as fast as I could, maybe watch like 10 minutes of Antiques Road Trip and then I'd be back up in the studio. Oh, I do love Antiques Road Trip. So Sam, my partner, hates it, but I'm like, I'm only going to be here for 10 minutes, so you've got to let me watch it and I'm going upstairs for this evening and you can watch whatever you want. So that's how I got away with it. Was Sam okay with you being gone for those evenings and going back to work? Um... He was, I think, I think he missed me a bit. But then we've got quite different TV tastes. I think partly he was glad he didn't have to watch my TV taste. (laughs) But I do feel, that is what I feel a bit sad about that. For like a year, I didn't really spend time with him. And you can't get time back. So that is why it's important to take time off with like people you want to spend time with. Yeah, it's really important to have time off. I find when I've had really good quality time off as well, then I go back and I have all these new ideas and I feel more prepared to execute them because I, I've i got like a fresh set of eyes. It's also mm. if I've been working on a piece and it's been really annoying me and I've just thought, I just hate it, I can't look at it anymore. Sometimes all you need is two days away from it 
And then you come back to it and you just see it in a whole new perspective and you go, okay, this is not as bad as I thought it was last week and I can fix it. But if I'd worked through the weekend trying to fix it, it probably would have just got worse. So sometimes you just do need to take that break. Yeah, definitely. The other thing I find hard about taking time away feel like this is, might have turned into another podcast about taking time away from yeah, work. Yeah, have we moved we'll, away from motivation? We'll go with it. We'll go with it. I think it's all kind of entwined. But So I'm taking time off on the weekend. I'm trying to relax. And then I go on Instagram and it feels like everyone is working. Everyone's posting new work. But they're not. But it does feel that way. It feels like I'm being left behind. And I've only stopped for an hour. But I feel like there's a treadmill and I've got off yeah we will definitely have to cover this in another podcast because Instagram and seeing other people succeed on Instagram while you're having an off day is one of the like most unmotivating things it it cripples me we should definitely we'll definitely do an Instagram as a topic because I think it's really important oh there's so much we can cover on Instagram isn't there but let's go back to motivation Mm. maybe we should talk about things that we find unmotivational so things that like triggers that particularly knock you off your flow yeah well I've already said mine's the weekend all right this is a bit controversial but sometimes this might make me sound like a bad person I'm not sure whether to say it but we have said that this podcast is going to be open and honest yeah you've got to be vulnerable okay well sometimes I think if I see someone really succeeding it really unmotivates me I agree I don't know if it should do the opposite though should you because you should you should be able to see that and think okay I want to be that successful so I'm going to put all my time and energy and I'm just going to do it but for some reason it seems to have the opposite effect I think in the short term it makes you feel for me it makes me feel terrible Mm. but in the long term I want to aspire to that that's true so I think it does both Yeah, I think sometimes it is the push that you need, but you have to be in the right place in order to use it as the leverage. Because if you're in a really dark place and you see it and you're feeling really unmotivated anyway, I think sometimes it can just push me over the edge. But if I'm in a place where all I'm looking for is something to bring me back and reignite my motivation, then yes, you can use it. Also, I don't think like you're you'd sound like a bad person for saying that. I think People like me and you who are affected by the success of other people, Mm -hmm. I think it shows low confidence. I don't think it shows that you're like a bad person. But I just feel like you should be able to be happy for other people and you should be able to acknowledge that person has made some really nice work and they deserve all those sales and everything's going well for them and that's great. But I think deep down that is what you feel, but low confidence is crippling. Like, it really affects you and it's not easy to brush off. Mm. It does depend on my relationship with that person as well. So, for example, when you do a print release and your print release does really well, I just feel immensely proud of you and really happy about it. And I don't feel upset by yours. Mm. I don't know if that's because we're such good friends, though, so I just really want you to succeed. Whereas if I see someone on Instagram that I don't really have a connection with, that's when I think, oh, I'm just really annoyed that that person's (laughs) sold loads of stuff and I haven't. Yeah, I know. I'm. I am the same. If it's someone I know, I'm happy for them. And if I don't know them, it's not that I'm not happy for them at all. It's, I think I'm sad for me. Yeah, rather that's than I'm it. not happy for them. And because it's such a competitive place, and you can sometimes end up thinking, well, their sales might be taking away from my sales, especially if they're in the same kind of industry. Yeah, it can be a bit of a worry. 
Yeah, I find that kind of thing, especially if I see it at the start of the day before I've even got up, that mm. is like my day is gone. Yeah, it can just make you think you're not good enough sometimes, I think. Mm, and that is really bad for motivation. So bad. I think another thing is, say you work on a piece, you work really hard and then you put it on your shop and then people don't buy it. That can be really hard. Oh, I actually, I'll, I would put that above what I've just said. That's worse, I think, because you put so much love and energy into creating things that when you finally release it into the world and it gets no excitement and no sales, it, it just feels so awful. It makes you think, well, why should I carry on and make new work? Because this is just done so badly. <laughs> yeah, and I think... I mean, I think I'm a pessimist, but underneath it all, I'm hopeful. So I might be saying, oh, I'm not sure how it's going to go. But in my head, I'm like, oh, I hope I sell loads. And you've, your expectations are so high. Mm. I think that's the truth for most self-employed people. Because if you're not ambitious like that, you wouldn't have gone into that world of self-employment. No, you have to be really ambitious and you have to be patient as well, I think. I, I, I'm not really a very patient person, having said that you need that in order to run a small business. But I think it, it does take time and you have to gauge kind of what works going to be popular. And sometimes, I mean, one, a big learning curve for me is that things that I like the most or that I deem to be my best work, that's not always agreed by my audience and my audience will like things that I think oh that's just not really my best work yeah I find that's always the way one of my favorite prints I've ever made and I'm so proud of it is just sat on my website and it's been sat on my website for a year and a half it hasn't sold out and I just look at it like I love that piece and I might sell like I don't know I sold maybe one this year so like four months in and it's just sat there and I just I, I do find it hard to predict people. And then the pieces I'm not keen on, I put them up and say, oh, I'm not happy with that. And I'll get so many people asking to buy it. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I don't under, I don't understand. But I think it's important to stick with what you like, but also accept that not everything you make, you're going to love, but other people will. Yeah, definitely. Out of interest, what is your favourite piece that you were talking about there? The Malvern Hills piece. It's oh, her yeah. big landscape piece. I think it was my first... Was it my first reduction print? It was my first big reduction print. I really love your landscapes. I reckon as well, one of the reasons that that's your favourite piece is because you have such an attachment to that area. So it's like an emotional piece for you. Yeah, you're going to make me tell the engagement story. <laughs> I haven't told anyone on Instagram. Oh dear, well, would you like to tell them on the Out of Ink podcast, episode I, one? I could give an exclusive, couldn't I? But I, mm. I do worry about what people think of me uh, by telling this story. Well, no pressure, you don't have to tell the story. I'll, I'll give the people what they want. So basically, <laughs> um, I do the RHS spring and autumn shows at Morven. So I was there, it was 20... 19 and I was there the weekend of mine and my partner's um 10 year anniversary so I mean I wasn't being the best girlfriend going to that show but it's it's a great show um and then he came to visit me I was sleeping in my car um <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling <laughs> the story on the classy Molly yeah it wasn't even my car I didn't have a car at that point it was my parents <laughs> Skoda Rimster which is basically like a car van this is a real insight into freelance artist life now 
it's not glamorous. It's cold uh, tins of soup without decanting to a bowl. Um, anyway, he came to visit me one evening and he'd bought a picnic rug and a picnic and it was going to be really lovely. And it, basically he was going to propose. Um, but it rained. So we were sat in the back of the roomster um, on my duvet. We were sat there and <laughs> Winnie, our dog, was crunching her food. I had a mouthful of Sensations Sweet Chili Poppadom Crisp. I just love the detail in this. <laughs> you got to remember these things. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, he just proposed to me there and I said, but I'm, I've got a mouthful of crisps. And all I could smell was Winnie's dog food. <laughs> Romantic. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the story, basically. Just, I feel like people needed to know. There you go. It's out in the open now. That was quite an um, interlude. <laughs> yeah, let's loop back, loop back. I find motivation happens in cycles for me. So without fail, every year, January is terrible. I have such low confidence and low motivation. And then by mid-February, I'm feeling better. And then I dip in June. I'm (laughs) always a mess in June. I think that's so random. I just, why June? Well, I guess it is about, it's halfway through the year. So maybe every six months I dip. Hmm. I don't, I don't really know why June um, but I've actually, I've booked June off this year in preparation <laughs> for lack of motivation. But I'm I'm guessing my body will just delay it till July and then I'll have a bad July. Well, you are getting married in June, so it would probably be better to not be worrying about work and just focus on that. I find, obviously, October, November, December, because of the Christmas rush, those are always very motivational times. In fact, it's really frustrating because you're feeling so motivated by those sales because I'm so busy packaging up orders, which is obviously the best feeling in the world. As a small business owner, there's nothing better than selling your work. And so you're feeling so motivated because you've got this sense that finally, like people like what you're doing, they're buying what you're doing. It's amazing seeing people giving things as Christmas gifts and, you know, spending their hard earned money on your work. And you're feeling so motivated and then, but there's no time left to do any new work in those times of year. Yeah, I think. And then I can't wait till Christmas because then I can make, but then there's no time at Christmas. And then January comes and January, you just feel so unmotivated. And then it just feels like all the creativity kind of just disperses. January is a really dark month, isn't it? Mm. Do you think that the weather affects your motivation? Yeah, but so you would think the the cold weather would make me unmotivated, but I guess it's nice to like huddle inside and work on your designs. Mm. And and I find when it's sunny, I might feel happier, but I want to be outside. Yeah, you want to be gardening, don't you? And out yeah. with the dog and things. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I probably prefer creating things in the winter because as you say, when you're sat in your studio and you look outside and it's chucking it down with rain, you don't feel like, oh, I really want to be out there you think Mm. well I'm using this time positively to to do my drawing and in the summer on like the hottest day of the year where everyone else has taken one of their allocated holiday days (laughs) and they're still getting paid for it and you're sat in your studio thinking well it's it's really nice out there but I've got to be in here designing my Christmas range (laughs) that's I think that's when it hits yeah I know what you mean about that. And what you were saying earlier about sales boosting your motivation, that is... So I, I struggled January, February, March this year really badly with motivation. I was messaging B every day just, 
I was just a mess, really, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, you were having a hard time. Yeah, it was a bad few months. And the, I didn't expect it, but the thing that got me out of that was halfway through March releasing some old prints and they all sold. And that boosted me more than I could have imagined. And literally overnight, it felt like I was fixed. The motivation issue was had gone. I think it's because it's validation when somebody buys your work that mm. you can keep going because there are people out there who, who want it and who like what you're doing. Yeah, and I think I'd started to feel like, what am I doing? What do I want from this? I don't know where I'm going. And then suddenly, yeah, it boosted me to think, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to sell my work. That's a really vicious circle, though, because I think if you're waiting for the motivation to come purely from sales and then you have just a really bad month where you're not really selling very much, then you mm. end up just not having the motivation to do any new work. And that might be just what you need in order to drum up some more interest. Um, So it's really hard. So one of the things that I find really helps my motivation is going outside and going for a walk and just kind of clearing my mind and like collecting new inspiration, I guess, from the walk. Yeah. That's really motivational. And also when you walk, you're kind of distracted by what's around you and then your thoughts aren't so wired you're not overthinking things and feeling anxious you're able to relax and then that's when creativity comes back yeah that's really true because you're it takes your mind off it completely like for me that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from so if I'm feeling in a bit of a rut with things and then I go for a walk and I see a particularly like beautiful I don't know, dandelion. Then I'll be like, yeah, particularly beautiful <laughs> dandelion. Then I'll be like, well, that's that's all I needed. That I'm going to take this dandelion home and I'm going to use it. Nice. You know, if we were naming the podcast <laughs> something other than motivation mm. this week, I'd call it the particularly beautiful dandelion. <laughs> yeah, it was very poetic, wasn't it? It was. It was nice. I find another thing that helps with motivation is looking back at old work and seeing how far you've come. And and for me, it's it's about seeing how my style has changed and how appallingly bad it used to be and how I've really, as I've grown as an artist, I've, I've seen myself improve. And that practice makes perfect. That really is true. And I'm sure you mm. as a wood engraver can look back at your very first engravings and go, I, I could do that so much better now. I don't know if I'm a good example for this because I look back and I think, I wish I could do that. Is that weird? <laughs> yes, I'm that's very weird. I love my first wood engraving, and which is why I haven't sold them all because I love them. And I look back and I'm like, how did I do that? I th- but I think that, again, that's low confidence. I'm really, I am better now, but... You I must because I'm you not. must have developed lots of techniques as you've gone along. And, as you start, and when you started, you can't have had all the best tools and equipment either you were probably doing a bit of a makeshift maybe but I but I'm just an exception to the rule possibly I think you're right most people look back and they see a real progression there and that yeah you just want to keep going and practicing if I look back at my some of my uni work I'm so ashamed. I would never show it to anyone now. I would never post it on my Instagram because I would get serious imposter syndrome and people would go, there's no way that's the same artist that's making the work she's making now. Mm. I think the thing that, when I look back at my uni work, it was very conceptual and I just don't recognise that person that made it. I think that's what's changed the most is is me, like me as an artist. Mm. I was... I think I was just trying to chase 
what people wanted me to make. So then the things that I was making just weren't me. It's like kind of alien to me now looking back. Yeah, because you're making work that you feel like is going to get the best grades rather than work that you feel like is what you want to do or is really pushing you as an artist. Yeah, and I think that's something else like that changes. So when if you study art, you're mo- I, I felt I was motivated by if my tutor was happy, if my grade was good. And if it wasn't, I'd be like, I'm failing. This is the worst thing ever. And my motivation would dip. Whereas when you leave education, you've got to find something else to motivate you, mm. which I don't know, it's different for everyone. It might be sales. I was about to say, I think it's probably sales. When, mm. Especially if you're freelance with it, because obviously you need to make a living. And that there's no bigger motivation than physically needing money to pay your mortgage. Yeah, I mean, it it is scary when you first go self-employed because so much is resting on you. And I find that also, when I first went self-employed and I was earning, I wouldn't say I was earning nothing, I'd say I was losing money. I was literally <laughs> in the red. And it was it was really part of it. I was like, I will get out of this, I will do better. And then partly I was thinking, what's the point? I'm not good enough. So I think it was a real mix of emotions and a lot of it did unmotivate me. So I think we've covered quite a lot about motivation there. If you could give one piece of advice from what we've talked about, what would it be? Uh, Okay, my top tip would be that if you're having a really hard time and you're feeling unmotivated and you're sat trying to force yourself to work to just step away from your desk get outside take some deep breaths of fresh air have a nice walk and hope that it revitalizes you and you come back feeling refreshed I think it's totally fine to feel unmotivated we all feel unmotivated a lot of the time but if it's happening a lot maybe look at what you're doing and see if you can switch things up it might be that you're stuck in a rut with your work and Mm. you need to Try a new style, try a new subject matter and see if that motivates you. So I think after chatting today that we've kind of gone into the realm of Instagram, talking around anxieties around that, and I think that should be next week's topic. What do you think? Yeah, I think Instagram is a big one. So what one of the things that we have planned is to ask people to send in their questions for the next episodes. Obviously, we have no questions for episode one because we are a brand new podcast. So for next week, if you want us to cover any topics about Instagram, please email them to outofinkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. I know we were both nervous about this. We hope that it's been helpful. Um, and that you might go away feeling slightly more motivated and that you'll come back and listen to us again for episode two. This is our first ever podcast, so you have to be nice to us. Yeah, be gentle, no hate mail. Just because we've given you the (laughs) Gmail doesn't mean you can use an abuse. (laughs) I don't think we can end episode one without discussing how utterly perfect our new jingle is. I know, I couldn't believe how perfect it was when you sent it over. So we've been really, really lucky because your brother is an amazing composer. Yeah, and we just wanted to say a huge thank you, Mr Alex Baranowski, for giving us your jingle skills and, quite frankly, we love it.
We do. It's so perfect. So if you probably know Alex's work, if you have watched the BBC show Staged with David Tennant and Michael Sheen, Alex composed all the amazing music for that. One of my favourite things that he's recently composed the music for is the film The Windermere Children, which if you haven't seen, I would highly recommend. If you've enjoyed listening to episode one of the Out of Ink podcast, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. And if you have a moment, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate and review our podcast. Five stars only, please, because we do have low confidence as it is. <laughs>